Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Well, I'm Pastor Kaya, and Pastor John is is away. We had a, 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 member, a family member pass away in our family, and he is with the family now. I think they're about three hours away. So you guys are stuck with me, but that's okay. You're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. <clears throat> you know, I have a message for, for you today. First, I, I ate of it, and it encouraged me for where we are right now at TBCF. We're on the brink of a lot. We are stepping into a lot of new things that we haven't seen before. We've never been there before. We've never experienced it before, but God says you have enough because of where you've been. I've been faithful then, but I've been preparing you for what's about to happen. So I just pray that the Lord opens your ears and your hearts today, that the, the word can be planted on good soil today. If anybody's ready to receive the word, raise your hand. All right, I'm going to hold y'all to it. <clears throat> so all y'all people that raise your hand, if I see you fall asleep, I'm going to call you out and be like, Tish, Tish, Ashley, wake up right now in the name of Jesus. Slumber no more. Okay. Stay awake. Stay awake. Here we go. All right. Numbers chapter 14. We're going to read verses six through nine. <clears throat> and it reads, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Here's some background on what's going on. So the children of Israel, y'all, they've been out there. You know how when you ever see like people on the street, they're like, man, I'm just out here. I'm just, I'm just out here, man. I'm just out here. The children of Israel was out there. I mean, they was like, dude, we out here. We here. And here they are. Moses sent some spies out and was like, okay, we are on the brink. Like we've been out here for like 40 years plus. And like, look, it's time, y'all. It's time to step into the new. So I'm going to uh, grab a couple of people, have them spy it out, come back, let us know what's up. One thing I want to let you guys know as a leader, be careful who you send. Like, check their heart. We're very particular about who we, we choose because it's like, Lord, show us their heart first. Because if you, if the Lord will allow you to see somebody's heart and send them. And what report they'll come back with. So anyway, Moses sent a couple of people out to spy out the land. And a bunch of people came back and was like, yo, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, the land is exceedingly good. But there's giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. And you know how when people like are overcome, like with bad news, like they come back super animated. Like, so they're talking loud. They were like, and then, I mean, they was like, big and they was like huge and then we was like and everybody's like everybody's listening everybody's listening you know they were supposed to just be coming back talking to Moses but everybody's listening because if you read at the chat at the beginning of chapter 14 the Bible says that the people heard them they heard their report and the Bible says that they were they cried themselves to sleep you guys they were depressed 
here they are. They've been out here. I mean, honestly, I don't know about y'all, but if I was out there as long as they've been out there, grandma, grandpa, they died. I mean, like people was dying out there. It was rough. I don't care who is in the land. We're like, boo-boo, hey, guess what? Your time's up. I'm coming in. I'm tired of being out here. But instead, the report came back, and they were like, oh, no. They were so depressed. They're they're how big? Those people are how wide? We look like what? In whose eyes? Mm, No. mm -mm. And I believe the first thing that they thought was, man, this ain't God. So the Bible talks about, if you read it, read it, write it down, write, take the notes. I can do some homework. Read it and, say, and realize that the people were so vexed in their spirit. They got together in little corrupt small groups, and they started, you got to watch out for them corrupt small groups, I swear. Corrupt small groups are from the devil. But they got together in these little corrupt small groups, and they were like, yo, like, let's lift up another leader like a super disobedient one that will actually lead us back to slavery, back to Egypt. Like, who can we pick? Should we pick, like, Fred? Should we pick Ian? Like, who, who's going to take us back after 40 years and be like, hey, we know we left, we took y'all gold, we took y'all stuff, but we want to come back. Can we just be slaves again? Like, they were literally like, this is getting so bad. We need to, le- we need to raise up for ourselves. Mm, sounds prophetic because the Bible talks about how in the last days, the people who will have itching ears. And the Bible says that they will raise up for themselves. Woo, leaders and preachers and prophets. It's almost like they were like, you know what? We picking you because you taking us back to whatever's convenient, whatever's easy, whatever's not hard, where there's no giants. Like, we raising you up. Pastor John, Pastor Kaya, have a seat. We raising them up because where they're going is a whole lot easier. Like, I don't care that my son and my daughter will be in slavery to sin forever. Like, I'd rather just have that and garlic and leeks. Because that was what was going on. They were like, at least we had garlic. I mean, like, for someone like me, I'm a foodie. Like, listen, listen, listen. I'm not here to judge Esau. Because guess what? Like, I don't know what, I mean, I have, I've traded like a lot. I'm like, you know what? It's fine. You can have $100 for this meal. Like, I've traded a lot for some food. I like food. There's been many times my husband was dead wrong, like dead wrong. He was like, when we take you out to eat? I was like, okay. <laughs> like, he already know. Like, if I just offer Kaya food, she'll forget about the whole thing. The children of Israel, I'm probably a descendant of theirs because, like, literally, I'm like, at least we could eat. Like, you got to be careful about the appetite that you stir up. Because sometimes we find ourselves stirring up an appetite for the things that are not of God. It's like, give me some boo-boo, but put some garlic on it and some cheese. Yes. Like, in my mind, it's a quesadilla. I'm eating. Be careful. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Do I got any Bible readers in here? So I'm telling you, they got together in these little corrupt small groups, and they start plotting and scheming about who was going to be the navigator to take them back into slavery because all they knew is they didn't see the great land. They didn't see it flowing with milk and honey. They didn't see the big old giant green beans, the big old tomatoes. They didn't see the corn on the cob. All they saw was there's some giants in there and we looking small. Hmm. And they were right there on the doorstep. I mean, like literally it was like it was Sunday And Monday, 
the wall was, walls were going to be knocked down. And they were like two weeks away from completion. And it was like little, small, corrupt, small groups were like, well, we should do this instead. We should go the other way because it's a whole lot easier. But can somebody just say praise God for Joshua? Anybody's name Joshua in here? Because if so, I got a throne. I'm going to just sit you on real quick. Okay, no, there's no Joshua's in here. But anyway, praise God for Joshua. I just want to pray for TBCF to have a spirit of Joshua. Because it only takes one with the heart of Joshua. That sitting there in a, in, a, in, a, in a group full of supposedly leaders that will go out and see one thing, but Joshua with a heart towards the Lord will see another. And so Joshua interrupted the complaint and the depressed session and said, yet the land is exceedingly good. Notice he tried to say, focus, focus. Look at the good. Look at what's coming here. The Bible says that he said, it's exceedingly good. Let me read it real quick. It's exceedingly good. And if the Lord delights in us, which he does, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. He's going to give us soon, which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the government who are corrupt, who wants to go the other way, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. So do not fear them. The title of today's message is Give Me Bread or Let Me Die. Give me bread or let me die. Inside of all of us, there's this thing called a fallen nature. The Bible talks about how we're born into sin. We're born with this fallen nature. It's like how some toys may come and it says no assembly is needed. Yeah, there was no assembly that was needed for us to have a fallen nature. Like it already came equipped on the inside. Think about it. How many kids? You don't have to teach them to lie. Be like, did you eat the cookie? No. <laughs> no. You'd be like, hey, I told you to share. Did you share? Mine. There's nothing you have to teach a child about lying. I'm like, Mariah is just lying right now. Did you go pee-pee? No. <laughs> Did you pee-pee in your pull-up? No. Just wet as the day is long. I'm just saying. Like, there's nothing you have to teach a child with, because they come equipped with this fallen nature. It's just like they woke up, it woke up too. Like that, the moment they was there, it was there. So let's read Romans 7, 20 through 22. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it. But sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner Man, there's a war going on on the inside of you. There's a silent war that people don't see. There's a tug of war all the time that's going on. The fallen man wants your soul, but the inner man, the spirit man, the one who's the one that, that, that the spirit of God, there's a tug of war for your soul. And they're saying, I want my way. And it doesn't matter how much you read the word, how much you hear the word, it's only about you overcoming your fallen nature to actually do the word. And so here we are with the children of Israel on the doorstep of the promise, and the fallen nature has casted its boat. The fallen nature is like, look, dude, this looks hard. We know we've be, be, been out here, but maybe we should just stay out here because there's giants in the land. The fallen nature fights against us, against us wanting to pray, 
against us wanting to read our word, against going to Bible study, against going to small groups, against wanting to talk to people, against wanting to hug people, against wanting to forgive people, against wanting to submit to your husband, wives, or what about for protecting your husband, um, um, your husband's wives or husband's vice versa, or even nurture or loving your wife? And so on and so on. The fallen nature constantly casting its vote on what should be happening that's actually going in reverse of where God's calling you. Name one thing that God has given you that doesn't take overcoming some obstacle or some opposition, and I'll show you something that's not from him. You name one thing that God has given you that doesn't take a struggle, and I'll show you something that's not worth having. I will never forget the struggle it was when John and I got married. I mean, literally, it was like World War II. Everything that could have went wrong went wrong. Everything that was hard was happening. Everything that was heavy was happening. And it's like, all we are are two people wanting to get married. Why are we right here on the footstep, on the doorstep, on the threshold? And there's so much opposition here. Where's the peace of God? There's some things I never would have came out of or escaped out of with my mind had it not been for Jesus. Remember the story of Jesus when he was led into the, in the wilderness? If you read the scripture, it actually says, and the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness. People skip over that part because they feel like he just like ended up there. Like he took a wrong turn. It's like, oh, I thought I was going right and I went left and now here I am in the wilderness and there's Satan. Like, no, the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness and he fasted. For 40 days, and it says that on the 40th day, he hungered. And it was almost as if, like, Satan was, like, watching him. He was like, not now. Nope, 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 not now. Oh, wait, I think I heard his stomach. Oh, I see him glancing at the berries. Now. The Bible says, and then after he hungered, the enemy showed up and tempted him. You got to be careful about your appetite. I'm just saying. Like, if you are not in control or if you do not master your appetite, it's like, it's almost like you are the kid that's eating all the cookies and your face is full of crumbs. It's like, did you eat it? No. It's like, I don't even know. I couldn't help myself. It's like my appetite just led me there. But an appetite is just like a two-year-old. It needs to be steered. You need to harness your appetite. So that you don't wake up in beds, I mean, in places or with people or with whatever that you did not intend to. But you don't wake up in marriages or jobs or, or situations that you know is not from the Lord. Master your appetite. Just like the children of Israel, I believe. Just like the children of Israel, Jesus' journey through the wilderness could have been a whole lot longer. But because Jesus knew who he was and he knew his assignment. He knew that this wilderness expedition was for a greater purpose. The enemy started off with, well, if you're truly the son of God, well, if you really be the son of God, like if you don't pay attention to that part, like you'll miss it. Like it was almost like Satan's like, I'm not trying to tell you you're not, but I'm just saying, like if you are, like can't you just turn this rock into bread and we both eaten? I'm just saying like, isn't that just like the devil to come and, like, twist things? It's like, I didn't say you weren't the son of God. I'm just trying to get you to say that you're not. And the enemy does it every time, right? When you're hungry, 
for significance, right when you're hungry for attention, right when you're hungry for companionship, right when you're desperate for finances, the enemy shows up and says, well, if you're really a daughter of God, like you'll just go to cash loans and like be indebted to them for 10 years. I'm just saying, whatever the situation is, the enemy knows how to show up exactly when your hunger is at the right temperature. Be careful of your hunger. The enemy doesn't have permission to kill you. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give you life and life more. uh... Wait, but it says that he came to kill. He came to kill your confidence, your identity, your testimony. Because if he does, then you will blend in with the world. You'll say, yep, I'm bland, just like them. I'm dry bones, just like them. Instead of speaking to the dry bones, you become the dry bones. Why? Because you've casted away your confidence. If you didn't catch the dry bone analogy, that means you weren't here when I preached two weeks ago. Shame on you. Show up to church. Come on, guys. Come on. Keep up. Keep up, y'all. You know, at a lot of different women's... uh, Conferences, I'll share my testimony about one of the hardest times of my life. I found myself, I allowed myself, my hunger steered me to a place that I never thought I'd be in a million years. If you asked me as a young girl, I had confidence through the roof. Why? Because Betty Davis, my mom, made sure. She was like, girl, you, yes, you're everything. I mean, I come in the door, she'd clap. Yay, Kaya's home. I'm just saying, like, if I was low, if anybody was low on confidence, Kaya wasn't. But for whatever reason, one particular time I was at the gas station walking with that Kaya walk that I had because my mama and my daddy and Jesus gave it to me. I had my held high, head held high. I knew who I was. I had identity intact. And I was walking with a confidence that everybody noticed. And a guy said, I saw you walk. And I said, I want her. Now, if we discern it in the spirit, Satan said, I desire to shift you as wheat so that your confidence can be crumbled and shifted to a point where you can't even put it back together again. If I can leave Kaya as a shell, the purpose that the Lord has for her 15 years later will never happen. If I can steal her voice, if I can steal her confidence, if I can steal her testimony, I can steal her life. No confidence, no voice. No voice, no purpose. That means you'll be standing, sitting down when you need to be standing up. That means you'll be silent when you need to be declaring. Don't cast away your confidence. And a lot of us have opposition completely wrong. Like, we look at com- opposition completely wrong. We're like, oh, well, this must not be God because I don't feel his peace. 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 We're talking about the kind of peace like Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane when he began to sweat blood because he was anxious unto death. That kind of peace? Or maybe you're talking about the kind of peace that Joseph and Mary lacked when they were walking around for days trying to find a place to have their baby, to keep their baby from being killed. Maybe you're talking about that kind of peace. Or maybe you're talking about the kind of me peace that Moses lacked when he's standing there looking at a burning bush and he's saying, I can't go. Because I can't talk. Maybe you're talking about that kind of peace because as Christians, I feel like a lot of us are deceptive. We're tricked because we're thinking, oh, that's not the peace of God. It's a little bit too hard. If it's Jesus, I'm going to feel peace. Down deep in my soul. 
2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, it says, we are hard pressed on every side. Every side. Every side means north, south, east, and west, which means you can't catch a break. Yet, not crushed. We are perplexed, which means Oh, I don't know which thought I should be handling first, which issue I should be focusing on first. I need to prioritize some of these issues, but not in despair. We're persecuted, which means she did it. She liked that. She ain't no Christian. She, she, mm-mm. him, he ain't nothing. He ain't going to never be nothing. He, he, whatever, but not forsaken. Struck down, which means fired, un- unqualified, unapproved. You not accepted, yet not destroyed. The scripture is telling us something different. We need to handle this whole peace thing a different Because the world will say, oh, God's peace, you'll feel it when you step into it. Lie. That's a lie. I don't feel like, oh, yes, Lord, when I'm being persecuted for my faith. I don't feel, oh, yes, Lord, when everything I'm, when I'm handling disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But when you know Jesus the way that I know Jesus, when you've been through what I've been through, you'll know I'm going to follow the peace of God. Nature doesn't get a vote on this one, baby. Christians are not soft. We are soldiers. Pastor John just preached about it next last week. If you weren't here, you missed it. Keep up. I need y'all to keep up. Like, if you're not here, read the podcast because we're doing week through week, and we're going to reference what happened last week. And if you weren't there, you are going to fail the test. I need y'all to keep up. Okay, listen. So we are soldiers in God's army. We're prepared for battle daily. Why should we have on the full armor of God if we ain't fighting? I'm just saying. Like, if you're just showing up to eat what everybody else is eating, why do you have to put on your whole suit? The Bible says put on the whole armor, which means don't leave your face out. Don't leave your feet out. Don't leave your belly button out. Like, put on the whole armor, because guess what? Opposition is coming from every side. If you don't put that part on, they might get you in the south. If you don't put this part on, they might get you from the north. I'm just saying, put on the full armor. Why? Because it's a war going on. And you're being called to fight things that are not seen. You're being called to fight things in the heavenly places to cast down high imaginations or anything that exalt itself above the knowledge of God. You're being called to fight. A bigger fight that the world knows nothing about. And if they miss it, they might think, oh, she ain't got no peace. Oh, baby, I got peace on the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you know what that means? A peace that surpasses all understanding, which basically meaning, yeah, I don't get it. I don't know why you have peace. Your husband did what? Your kids did what? Your wife said what? Your bank account looked like what? But you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you coming in here worshiping a holy God. Talking about, I got joy down deep in my soul. Because the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away, baby. Our fallen nature doesn't get to cast a vote on what God's doing and where he's calling me to. And if I'm ready and if who says I'm not ready and who remembers what about my past. They don't get a vote. If it's hard, if I lose stuff, if I lose people, if my friends look at me sideways, well, then it must not be God. If it makes me uncomfortable, if it makes everybody in the room look at me because Kaya's that crazy Christian girls, well, then it's, it must not be God. But Joshua, 
having a spirit of Joshua. He says that they are our bread. Like, what a way to get people to focus and look at the opposition in a different way. Like, I would book Joshua to preach here. I'd be like, Joshua, come, come, come do a conference to show Christians how really to look at opposition a different way because Christians are timid, man. And the Bible says that God draws, has no pleasure in a drawback, timid spirit. Somebody that's always like, yeah, I believe God. No, 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 wait. No, no, the heat's too hot. Okay, I believe God. No, 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 no. You know what, God? I'm taking this Sunday off. The Bible says that God has no pleasure in a drawback spirit. Somebody that's always in and then out and then hot and then cold and then I'm uncomfortable, so I don't know. And then somebody didn't say hi to me. Somebody didn't hug me. Well, they didn't acknowledge me. They didn't list my name. Well, they didn't ask me to do this. Well, I don't And God's like, you know what? Go on over there and do your hopscotch because right now there's a war going on and I need all soldiers on deck. Don't nobody got time to be like, you okay? Okay. You okay? Okay. You okay? No. Get your relationship right with Jesus. Get your relationship right with Jesus because can't nobody got time to keep stopping and make sure you okay. The Bible says that you may endure as a good soldier. Somebody's reading the Bible. Thank you. It's so much easier to talk to people that actually read the Bible. Joshua made this statement. He says, they are our bread. Ooh, I love the fact that Joshua got like a rhema word. Like he got like a word out of nowhere. Like it's like he got a revelation to see the problem in a different way. And not only that, but to be able to explain it to the people in a way that they could understand. Because bread equals substance. You ever been sick and somebody says, you need to eat something. Get your strength up. Get your stamina up so you can get well. They are our bread. They're going to get us to a level where we're well, where we're not able to just go into the land, but we're able to possess and obtain the land. The children of Israel had a choice to make at this moment. Run from what's chasing you or run towards who call, who's calling you. Because for a lot of people in that camp, they were running from the people in Egypt for years. They was like, yeah, I don't really believe in all this stuff. I'm just trying to stay safe in the huddle. So God was now separating the wheat and the tares, and he was doing the separating. And fear is a perfect instrument sometimes because people will be scared to death. But the Bible says that perfect love, it casts out all fear. So when you have the love of the Father on the inside of you, you can stand in the face of opposition and you can have the heart of Joshua and says, the Lord is not with them. The Lord is with us. And guess what? This opposition is not here to kill us or destroy us. This opposition is actually here to feed us for what we need, for what's ahead. So many of us are like that. We come to church and we run to this altar or we run to Bible study or we run to the pastors or we run to the, to the, to the leaders and say, well, my husband did this. Well, they said this at my job. Why? Because they're running away from what's chasing them. But the Bible is calling us to a new level. That instead of running from what's chasing us, God says, run to who's calling you. Who's calling you to a higher height, to a new level, to a new vision. It's time out for you to just be hand, getting hand fed in the wilderness. It's time for you to be able to chew on meat and receive a good and powerful word so that you can not just be a Christian, but you can lead a nation. Some of the folks God allowed to die off in the wilderness were those ones that were just hiding in the pack, running from whatever was chasing them, running from opposition, running from slavery, running from the whips, running from the hard work, running from, running from sweating. But God 
was calling them to a new level, to have a spirit of Joshua, to run to the, toward the one who was calling them. Opposition is a necessary ingredient, ingredient for fulfilling the purpose God has placed in our lives. If Jesus, who was perfect, had opposition, Wendy, what makes you think you ain't going to get opposition? What makes you think you're not going to have opposition, Rachel? What makes you think that you're not going to have opposition if Jesus, who was perfect, was running from people? I mean, I'm not like physical running, but if you read the scripture, it says, and they, they sought to kill him. And all of a sudden, Jesus would go like this. They'd be like, wait, wait, where'd he go? I mean, he's not running, but he'll, he'll take like two steps back into like a crowd of people and be like. Because he knew it wasn't his time. People were calling him Beelzebub. They were calling him a Pharisee, a Sadducee, and everything that he wasn't. I wonder if he woke up the way that I woke up all this week. Like, wake up with that big sigh, like, what now, Lord? John, you have to leave to go be with your family? Who died? The contractors are saying, what? The architect came and said, what? The engineers are saying, what? The city's saying, what? We got to do what? (sighs) I wonder if he woke up that way. Or did he put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness? Because the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. You know what inhabits mean? Like I live there. I inhabit my home. That's where I live. My stuff is in there. You know, my shoes is in there. All my stuff is in the place where I inhabit. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So like today, when we were praising the Lord, there's like you could feel something that was a little bit different than when we just like listen on the radio and we're just like, whatever, whatever. No, something's different happens when we come as a body fitly joined together and we lift up a holy God and we lift up our hands and surrender to a holy God. And God says, I live here. My stuff is here. I got peace here. I got joy here. I got long suffering here. I got healing here. I inhabit here. God's stuff is here in the praises of his people. I wasn't there, but I think Jesus woke up with a praise on his lips every morning. He didn't give the enemy a foothold in his complaints the way the children of Israel did. They were like, dude, at least we had garlic. Like, at least we could plant some tomatoes, but every other day we move in, so I can't even farm nothing. I mean, don't that just sound like us? Okay, maybe it just sound like me. I'm like, man, at least I can, like, if I can just plant, plant some peas. Like, can we please just have some peas? I can roll the peas up with the manna and, like, make, like, a pea burrito. Like, but you couldn't plant nothing because every other day we move it. Oh, there goes the cloud, guys. Come on, pack up your stuff. We just out here. We out here. So was Jesus, man. He was just out here. And then every once in a while, he'll turn and be like, how long must I suffer thee? Complaining about this, complaining about that. If you only knew the assignment I had, talking about you can't find your shoe or Billy Bob stole your stuff or so-and-so didn't wave at you or somebody didn't acknowledge you. And Jesus is like, if you only knew my assignment, If you only knew your assignment, and here you are focusing on the little stuff like garlic and peas and wanting to put some salt and pepper on your manna, like shake your head. 
We're in an army. We're in a, we're in a war. And you need to put on your whole armors and focus. Joshua knew that they are our bread. Not the kind of bread where you get full and then you're hungry again. Not that kind. Because there's been many times I've driven very far for some food. And by the time I get back home, I'm like, dang it, I'm hungry again. And I was all excited about the food. And then I get home, I'm like, okay, I guess it's a bowl of cereal because I'm hungry again. Not that kind of bread. But Joshua knew that it was the kind of bread that they were going to need, not just for now, but for later. Because God was calling them to a new level of government. They weren't just possessing this land to just be able to set up camp and be like, woo, yay, we can sit back. No, no. God was calling them to government, which means not only am I giving you a land, but I'm calling you to government to govern the land. Wow. They just went from being slaves, having to beg and ask and hide and scrap and scrap and scrape and oh, what, this, that. And now they're called to government? Oh, this is going to have to be something different because how do you truly know Jehovah Rapha as healer unless you tasted the bread of sickness? How do you truly know that Jehovah Jireh is your provider unless you've eaten the bread of lack? How do you know Jehovah Shalom, your peace, unless you've eaten the bread of the storm and experienced his peace in the midst of it? How do you have the resolve that you have that the world marvels at? It's because you've tasted the bread and you've seen the Lord been faithful then. And you know God is going to be faithful now. It's our bread. It's the bread of situations. It's the bread of circumstances. It's the bread of opposition that strengthens us, not just for ourselves, but for our children and the government that God is calling us to in this church, in this city, in that school. God is calling us for more that what the little manna that we've been handed to you for years and years in the middle of the wilderness. Oh, no, it's going to be different this time. This time, you're going to have to chew on some meat that's going to take you a while to digest. Sometimes you're going to be called to do things that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes you're going to have to go up and embrace somebody and pray for somebody that you know just talked about you like a dog, but yet call down heaven to bless them and open up the windows of heaven to pour out onto them a blessing that they cannot receive. That's going to take a different kind of bread to experience a different level of operation. But that's what you're called to. It's no longer that you should long for the milk. But now it's time for you to long for meat. God's calling the Building Christian Fellowship to lead in this city. And it is our job to get you ready to shake you from your comfortable places, to shake you, to, to, to tell you to change your appetite. Change your view of opposition. Change your speech when you're talking about the peace of God. Don't miss the Lord because you're looking for the wrong peace, the wrong opposition, and you're hungering for the wrong things. We can't keep checking on you saying, are you okay? God's calling you to a greater army, and he's calling us to a greater work. Not that we could just walk into phase two and have it done. Yay, celebration is over. No, no, no. There's so much more that is ahead for us. But if you can take the, taste the bread of opposition, you can know how faithful God has been, how faithful God is, and how faithful he will be in everything that he has called us to. Philippians 3, 10 through 14. I'm going to read it in the Amplified, and it says this. And this, so that I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person 
more completely, and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his suffering by being continually conformed inward into the likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. Not that I already obtained in this goal of being Christ-like or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me, what chased me with Pharaoh, what chased me with Egypt, what chased me with the thoughts of of slavery, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, the promised land, the um, the vision, provision, and promise, I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? But whoever lied to you and told you that it was going to be easy to take hold of this new bread, this new manna, they lied to you. They're trying to deceive you about a fake, false Christianity that is not true. Jesus, who died a brutal death, left an example for you. John 16, is my most favorite scripture. It says, for in the world there is great tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have already overcame the world. Which is interesting because I'm glad that Jesus is the parent and not me. Because for me, I try to make things as easy as I can for my kids. And I'll say, well, I did this and I did this, so you don't have to do this because that's hard. Do the easy part. But Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. If I can do it, you can do it. And I'm going to show you how to be a soldier. I'm going to show you how to endure to the end. I'm going to show you to look in the face of opposition and said, bread, I'm going to consume you. You think God feels sorry for you every time you complain about who doesn't like you, about what your enemies are saying, about how they're winning and you're losing, about what your husband did or what your your wife did or what they said and how they left you out. No, he's not. He says, cast all your cares on me for I care for you. You know why? Because he's going to lift your head. He's going to love your soul. He's going to say, go out there and fight. It's almost like I believe he said it a lot nicer than my mom used to say it back in the day. Because when I came in and I say Sally and Sue and Bob, little Bobby Lee, they stole my lunch, and they said this, and they pulled my hair, Mom, and they called me this name. And, and instead of hugging me, she took the tissue, she wiped my face. She said, you go out there and you tell them, I am Kaya. You do not talk to me that way. I'm like, what? I just wanted you to hug me and, like, bake me some cornbread or something. But instead, she knew that if I had no fight in me, The enemy would see me walking around and say, I'm going to shift her as wheat. So Jesus said, he left us a fight, but he equipped us in the fight. God's saying, it's your bread. Eat it. Let it strengthen you so that you can see me deliver you out of it. So you can see my faithfulness on a whole new level from a whole different perspective. That I can hide you in the cliff of the rock and my goodness are going to go before you. And the glory of the Lord will go before you in every season, in every situation, in every area of opposition. In the midst of your enemies, you're going to say in a new level, with a new tongue, with a new song, my God, it was faithful then and he is faithful now. But you've got to consume the bread. Psalms 23 and 5, it says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup 
God, it runs over. I wonder what he's preparing at the table. You know what I think? I think he's actually not cooking anything. I think he brought the food. Because they thought they was going to eat. They thought it was going to crush you. They thought it was going to kill you. They thought it was going to be too much for you. But instead, the Lord has set the table. And he's saying every lie, every curse of the enemy, every time you've been given up on, every time you've been cast out, every time you've been disqualified, every time you've been bruised, every time you've been illegally touched, every time you've been abused by the hand of someone else, I want you to, them to see you eat the bread in their presence. They're going to see you grow stronger. God says, watch her eat because I'm not with you. I'm with her. And they can't understand. How is she still winning? How is he still advancing? How is he still standing? I know the kind of punch I threw. I know I wanted that one to hurt her bad. I know I wanted that to wound her. But instead, she laid, she, he or she, they bowed their head and they thanked the Lord for the food that was in front of them. Because it was the bread of opposition that was giving her a greater faith. A greater testimony. Let's say it again. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our. It's in every situation. It's every time we eat the bread of opposition. Every time we eat the bread of discouragement. Every time we eat the bread of a hard place. It strengthens us. Give me bread or let me die in the wilderness complaining about garlic. Give me bread or let me die complaining about what I don't got, what mama didn't do, what daddy didn't do. Give me bread or let me die talking about it's not fair that I had to do this and they didn't. Give me bread, Lord, so that I can be strengthened, that it'll change my testimony. It'll change the way I talk. It'll change the way I see opposition. It'll change the way I see peace. Give me bread so that I can be strengthened, not just for today, but for my kids and for those that are following me, give me bread that will strengthen me and be able to uphold me in a way that I can leave a legacy for those that are behind me. God, give me bread or let me die right here. Because if you don't advance me, I'm not going. As I close, all because God has given us bread, all because God has allowed the bread of the enemy. Let me say it that way. God is allowing some things in your life because he knows what he's put in you. Just like the children of Israel, man, they was out there for 40 years. And God says every day of those 40 years, every time they cried, every time they thought they were going to drown in their lack, every time they thought the growling of their stomach was going to consume them, I was putting in them a new level of fight. You ever meet somebody that's just gritty? Man, they got grit. It's like you will sit there and you'll complain and you'll be like, oh, this is so hard. And they're like, I've been in harder situations than this. And you'll say, oh, I'm just so tired. And they're like, I've been tired. But for some reason, this is strengthening me. It's usually the ones that's been out there, that seen God in a way that no one else has seen God, that experienced his touch in a way that nobody else has, has been healed from things that 
other people would never like to lay their eyes on. It's the people that's been in the darkest situations, the darkest moment, the deepest pit that has been saved, that comes out with a new level of grit the world can't shake. So God is saying, don't despise the bread. Embrace it. Because you're going to need it for where I take you. And the bread is not here to kill you. It's not here to crush you. I promise you, what I've put in you for all the time that you've been out there is enough to overcome this. He's the God who was, who is, and who is to come. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed breaking bread. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. To be a conqueror, guess what? You got to overcome some stuff. You got to conquer some stuff. God says, I made you climb that hill. And as you're climbing the hill, you're saying, this is so hard. Why does so-and-so not have a hill like this? I don't see her climbing a hill like this. I don't see him climbing a hill like this. This mountain is hard. And God says, the place that I'm calling you is a place that's higher than others. And when you reach the top of that mountain, I'm going to give you a dance that I've given no one else. I'm going to give you a song that I haven't given anyone else. I'm going to give you a testimony that nobody else has. God's giving you a greater mountain for a greater testimony. He's giving you a greater battle for a greater victory. Because when you come out, your hands will be up and your heart will be ablaze. And nothing can move you from the face of God. Because you know who he's been in your life. Many have left you. Many still will leave you, but God will never leave you or forsake you. He hasn't brought you here to leave you. Why would he bring you here and leave you and despise you? It's your bread. So give me bread, Lord, or let me die. Let me die with no purpose, no confidence, no vision, no hope. Let me die right here because I don't want to hold down and slow down everybody else. But I've decided, I've decided, I've decided that the Building Christian Fellowship, we don't run from what's chasing us to the altar. We're running toward the one who's calling us to a higher height, to a higher level, to a greater vision, to a level of government and leadership in this city. Don't you slow us down. Come to the, toward the one who's calling you today. Maybe you've been praying, saying, God, I'm so tired of being discouraged. I'm so tired of being cast out by everybody, forgotten. I'm tired of being disappointed, Lord. Haven't I, haven't I been out here long enough? I'm tired of it. Remove it from me. You know what you're actually praying? You're saying, God, open up all my cupboards and empty it out. Every morsel of bread every area of substance, every area of health that you're equipping with, with, you're saying, God, throw it out. I don't want power. I don't want anointing. I don't want greater faith. I don't want to know you better, God. You're saying, I don't want any of it. You're saying, my fallen nature and I have decided that we want to die empty. My fallen nature, my fallen nature and I have decided we're tapping out the war. We're going to watch Everybody else advance without us. We're going to stay here in the barracks and hide with, with the rest of the cowards in the world. 
that don't want to deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow the Lord. I've decided that the Building Christian Fellowship will not die in our sin, will not die in our comfortable places, will not die because our fallen natures are casting votes when it should be silent. Instead, we are advancing. Every wall in this place will be knocked down. Not because we're building a greater church, but because we're stepping into a new level of government in this city. And I don't care how hard it looks. I don't care how hard it feels. I want to encourage you to stay faithful. Stay faithful in your giving. Stay faithful in your serving. Stay faithful in your attendance because some people are coming. You don't know their faces because you've never seen them. But the Lord is aligning it. And he's saying, I have a remnant of people over at the Building Christian Fellowship that have eaten the bread of opposition. Just like Paul said, I learned to have a little and I've learned to have a lot. I've got some gritty people over at the Building Christian Fellowship that has a level of grit that maybe some other churches don't. But they got a grit on the inside of them that they'll stand flat-footed on the Word of God and say, we will not be moved. We will not look like grasshoppers in their sight because the Lord is with us. And because He is with us, He will deliver us into the land that He's called us, flowing with milk and honey. And God will deliver us to where He's calling us to be. So give me bread or let me die. Jesus was called Beelzebub. He was harassed. He was called the Pharisee, a Sadducee. He was beat to an unrecognizable, uh, unrecognizable in his face or his body. He painfully walked himself to the place of crucifixion. And everything about that doesn't look like God's in it. But the Bible says that there was a joy that was set before him. Maybe you don't see your relationship with the Lord when you're facing opposition. Maybe you just see how you're discomforted. Maybe you just see what you want more than anything. But can I remind you that you were on Jesus' mind when he gave both hands and both feet and his whole self to the opposition because he was thinking about you. The joy that was set before him was you. Can the joy that's been set before you be him? When you're faced with opposition, when you're faced with hardship, can your faithfulness be to him? Can your gifts, can your talent, can your resources be set for him? Because he is the one that will never leave you or forsake you. Everybody else is a maybe. I say it all the time. People are never promised. They're a privilege. They're not a promise to us. Search through the Bible. God's given us a million different promises, and people are not one of them. People are not promised to you. The only thing that's promised to you is when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Which means if you're going alone or you're going with a group of others, go. Because I am with you. So now I say to you, children of Israel, don't allow your fallen nature to rebel against what God has promised you. And don't you fear people who make you feel small and insignificant in their sight. For they are your bread. Their protection has departed from them because God is with you. So don't fear people who have no protection. Give me bread or let me die. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah.
everything about the last couple of weeks have been hard. Like, like I don't know if any of you guys go to the gym, but I'm just going to give this analogy. Like, maybe you'll some catch it and some may not. But sometimes it's like you can lift a weight that you've lifted many times before, but sometimes it just feels different. And then I also learned that if you use rubber weights and steel weights, they're kind of different. But anyway... Like, for the last two weeks, the weight has felt a little different for me. And I almost chose to be out of character and be like the children of Israel and be like, well, why does this have to be so hard? What? You have to leave, John? I have to preach this Sunday? Why does this? Why does this? Why? But instead, when I closed my eyes, God gave me a greater revelation. He says, you're on the cusp. You're on the threshold of what's next. Have you ever gone on vacation and like two or one day before you leave for vacation, it seemed like all hell is breaking loose. Like you're literally like, if I could just leave this office and like go on vacation, like I'm almost there. Like, but everything gets like so hard. Yeah, I've been feeling that. And then God changed my perspective. He says, you're on the cusp. This opposition, this hard place, this really heavy stuff, it's your bread. Say your grace and eat it. So I want you to bow your head because I want to speak over you right now. I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. Every eye closed and every head bowed because I don't want you to think I'm talking to anybody but you. I don't want you looking around the room because this is for you. Listen, son and daughter, as you're coming out of your wilderness and into your promised land, and you're emerging out of your situation, out of the dark places, out of the discouragement, out of the season of lack, I want to tell you, there's going to be giants in the land. Let me encourage you today not to appear as grasshoppers in their sight, but you are mighty in God. They are. It is your bread. They may look to you like a weapon that is sent to destroy you. But God says, no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. So run, not because of who or what is chasing you, but run because the one true living God is calling you to a higher height, to a new level in government, to a new level in leadership. God is calling you. Don't worry about where you came from. Don't worry about what they're saying. Don't worry about who's chasing or what's chasing you. What sickness of death that they're trying to deliver to you. Run toward the one who's calling you. Because I am with you. Do you receive that today? Amen. Give God a praise. Give God a praise. you're going to look back and you'll say, that's nothing. Because God is moving you from faith to faith. From strength to strength. From glory to glory. So put away childish things. God's maturing and advancing us on. 
I want to invite you to come to the altar. If you want to make today the most perfect day that you can make it, if you want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and want to do it publicly, I want to invite you right here to the altar. I want to invite you here, right here, right now. Don't worry about who's looking. Don't worry about who's watching you. Don't worry if somebody's going to come with you or not. This is all about you. This is all about your walk. This is all about what you've called, been called to right here at this moment. I want to invite you right here to the altar to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you today, can you come and meet me here? Who will that be? That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.